This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangrad. BTL is brought to you by Lorance, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about bass fishing. I have the quisp... Christmas. Gosh, I can't open a show. I either get the number wrong with Frank, I say something wrong. I have the Christmas sweat. They call it a sweater. It's more of a sweatshirt. The Christmas sweatshirt for BTL available in the BTL merch store on BassZone.com. And we'll just take care of all the stuff right off the top. Also, if you remember a couple weeks ago, uh, we had a bestontour.net giveaway. There's their November winner right there for the gear giveaway for the best on tour jeff fog fogum he won that uh and then we're doing another one in december that is an afco reaper just go to bestontour.net and that is available for all new subscribers it's just like a weekly newsletter it has uh, everything that's going on in the industry completely free to sign up and my title sponsor for the 2023 bassmaster open season all right, had a great show with James Nigemeyer, uh yesterday talking about his move to the open EQs and the reality. Boy, we went through the list of the uh, of the anglers uh, that are, are leaving the invitationals to go over and fish the Bassmaster Open EQs. And I thought I was surprised at how many, I guess I would say, veterans are looking at a uh, kind of try to restart their career, or go back and fish at the... Uh, uh, at the open level. After that, we talked about the team championship there on Hartwell. Uh, the last major tournament of the year, the classic field is now set. And I'll have to ask our guest today, because I think there are still some some derbies, some tournaments, some team, some team tournaments going on with MLF as far as filming for the team series where they, they all are Bluetooth connected and then there's teams of three guys and then it's filmed and then it airs on TV, something that I've been uh, excited to see after that pilot episode down in, in Florida launch. So we will get to our guest today, which is none other than, are you back in, you're back in Coleman now? You're no longer in Gunnersville? Smith Lake, Coleman area, yeah. Coleman Smith Lake area, which is where you're originally from, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So the Gunnersville thing was what lasted six years? Um, yes, four to six. We'll, we'll call it five. We'll call it five. We'll meet right. yeah. Matt Lee. I'm an hour away. Matt Lee, uh, you're a veteran, man. You've been doing this eight years now. Does it seem like it's crazy to say that eight years? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like a lot of things the weeks the months go by slow but then the years is like a like i mean i think i wrote a check the other day and almost put 21 on it as the year like it just is a blur when you fish at the top level now you you qualified for the elite series what 24 or 20 uh 15 was your first year 
Yes, 14 are qualified. Yeah, 15. So, I mean, does it feel, do you, have you reached a point, do you ever reach a point where you're comfortable, you feel established, you're like, this is my jam, or is it always every year, it's like, made it another year, got to figure it out another year, do you reach that comfort level where you're like, all right, I've gotten past the hard stuff, now let's focus on life, this professional fishing is always going to be here for the future? Well, fishing's real interesting in that in baseball, for instance, you've got Bryce Harper comes on the hot new phenom every time. And in fishing, you end up, no matter what you do, you go to a lot of the same lakes. And so to me, there's a side of it where the more years you're in it, you, you've been to a lot of these places, so you kind of know what to expect. So that aspect of it changes a lot when you get, you know, a few years into it. Uh, so you talk about, I mean, you just name off lakes, St. Clair, uh, Malax, Champlain, Okeechobee, you've been to. And so that really helps you kind of know what to expect just overall, mm-hmm. you know, and every time it's different, a lot of these lakes, but that's a big, that's a big part of it in fishing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, golf courses, if you're a golfer, they, they change up, but not like lakes. Lakes in the fishing element of things is totally different. You were kind of the first wave of the young guys who came on and, and immediately competed uh, for checks, for for classics, for event wins. I mean, obviously you had uh, Derek Remitz, you had Casey Ashley, you have some guys, uh, your brother Jordan, you had a Jacob Wheeler who come on. But I feel like you're seeing that a lot more. Guys coming out of high school or college or the Opens or uh, look at what Dakota Ebear uh, did this past year on the pro circuit, just coming out and competing. I said you were kind of that first I guess, real wave back in the kind of mid early 2010s. Have you noticed that, that guys are, are coming onto the top level of the tour now and are just immediately competitive that there's no real kind of feeling out time period? Yes. It, it's, I mean, fishing's growing every year. There was, to me, I happened to be the perfect age, got into it at the perfect time and had, you know, and made it count when I needed to through that college series, winning the national championship, getting a spot in the classic, had the perfect platform. If I was four years older and they didn't give away that classic spot, how my story would have been so different. Um, so it, it, fishing as a sport has grown. I, I would say, where guys are starting to figure it out earlier and earlier. Now you have high school teams that now you you have seventh graders fishing on high school teams across the country. And they're, you know, with technology the way it is, everybody says that, but it's so true. You can catch on so much faster and that, and these kids have access to so much more. And so by the time they get to college, they're, they're dialed in. I mean, they've been out live scoping, watching YouTube videos and, and and fishing all the time. You know, it just makes the learning curve that much, that much quicker uh, now than it, than I think it was. We've always talked about time on the water. Everyone always talks about, you can't replace time on the water. There's no substitute for time on the water. 
I'm starting to believe, especially over what I've seen the last year and a half, that there may possibly be a substitute for time on the water to where you can get good without as much time on the water as long as you know what to get good at off the water so you're maximizing your time on the water. Is that a fair assessment, Matt? There's there's a weird thing. Like, here's a here's a side note. Like, the 10,000-hour rule. Yeah. Like, like, I'm kind of, you know, that's something that was, that I, I, I brought to my attention years ago and I've kind of thought on it is is do you reach a point where you're, you're kind of, I don't know where, where that learning curve, it changes, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not just a, you start at the bottom corner and then you're trying to get to the top right corner and it's a straight line. Like, like to get that, that start like that, that, okay. The opens, if you look at that schedule to be competitive on those lakes next year, is there, you know, it's easy to say learning curve, but there's different levels of, of it's, it's, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. I think I'm starting to think maybe some of that 10,000 hours can be done off the water to where you're molding technology and things off the water. So, you know, it might be 10,000, but it might not be all 10,000 on the water. Whereas, you know, 15 years ago you were starting, you didn't have Google Earth, you didn't have the mapping, you didn't have the YouTube and the information. And this is, I mean, I've had conversations with guys over the past couple months about this to where you're starting so far ahead of where you used to start in this sport. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And there, there still is, there still is a huge learning curve. There's just more, I think it's easier to, to achieve, you know, to get to that level, you can do it faster. You can do it off the water. And then also there's more competition than there's ever been at that level. So you see somebody like you mentioned eBay, which, you know, I like to think I'm the same age as him, but I I got several years on him now, but that, you know, he, he's competing out of a pool of people that's even more than it, than it used to be. And then he's at the top of that pool. So there's even, you know, the learning curves faster and you have more people doing it and it makes the competition even, even higher. And then, you know, the, the cream of the crop is, is, is even better than it was kind of like, so if everyone has access now, everyone's media savvy, everyone has or uh, uh, technology savvy, everyone has the YouTube tools, everyone has the mapping tools, everyone knows this. What is it that separates then the guys who catch them versus the guys who don't? Because we're talking about it. We're saying, hey, these, you know, all these guys coming out are, are good right off the bat because of this. But there's still a ton of guys that have it and still haven't made that jump. Is that a natural talent thing? Is that a luck thing? What is it then that separates the e-bears, the guys on the BPT that from the bigger pool that you just talked about? I think it's a combination, but here's one for you. So um, I think that in fishing is comparable. I try to compare it to other sports, but it's totally different than every other sport. But like if, if you spent you know, a gazillion more hours than Aaron judge in the batting cage taking fastballs. But like he, he did it for a hundred hours. You did it for 10,000 hours. It, no matter how hard you work at it, are you ever going to be a frat? And like, is, does that apply to fishing? 
like let's take golf take some take a guy on a, on the web.com if he works harder at it than Jordan Spieth or or Tiger Woods ever did at golf does he still achieve does he max out i mean you take some take a sport that you you know take a sport where it's really not you know Aaron Judge i mean you're not 67 280 right. or whatever but t- take a sport that where you know your actually athletic build is not as much of a factor like hockey you have a lot of guys that are the same. Like, look at the best guys at hockey. Like Wayne Gretzky's like 5'10", 170. Yeah, there's definitely like, yeah. Tennis. And I coordinate, you know, there's Golf. certain your Yes, yeah. Like I, like we did a side note pro pro event with some ex-MLB players. And I was with Mike Greenwell. And we were talking about he thinks that definitely with baseball, there's a different level of hand-eye coordination with baseball players that you kind really? of. That you're born with. That you're born with that like you you can you are just that much better at seeing the slider and a fastball at 97 so i really think in fishing there is you know jordan lee being my brother where you might have heard of him before that there's something to that that's a it's a you can't put your finger on it's in instincts like like i don't know the exact word you use but that's what it you know it's that natural decision may instinct and it's so is he like that in everything else in life or is it literally just fishing no so here's here's things too like if you notice a lot of people that are really that like you know and this does not apply to everybody but i think there is something to be said for people that that are extremely i'm talking the best at what they do more times than not, is that the only thing that they're not saying the only thing that they're good at, but is that that is their like purpose? They're they're you know, or is there is there two types of people? People that are that are, you know, pretty good at a lot of things and people that are excellent at a couple or or you know, and, yeah. and kind of you know, I don't think that's just can you can make that a, a written rule, a law, but I think there's something to that too, where um, you know, even though people get us confused all the time, like growing up, like I was I've always had my hands in different things. You know, I've always like baseball and then computers and I'm always tinkering. And you're tinkering with I mean I I'm, I'm like pretty good at a lot of different things. I don't have one thing like, and with my brother, it was, it was, you know, up until like 13, 14 years old, he, you know, did different things as a kid. But like from that 14, 15, like it's fishing, like it, and like, that's not only all he cares about, that's like really what his talent is. Like what, you know, God put him on this earth to do is like, like, it really like it wasn't a surprise to me. Like, yes, this is a surprise that your brother's like like back to back classics. You can't predict that, but I you know, you're around him enough that in you can't put it on paper and then everybody else starts to figure it out. It doesn't matter how hard you try. Like like he had he has that level of instincts that like you know, it's like you see Hackney and, and flipping and you're like, oh, I want to be Hackney and I want to go flip. But 
I don't know if you flipped every day from now to the day you died, you would ever have instincts like him. Like when it comes to that, you know, like it's, it's so interesting. Do you think there are two? So you're a one percenter, dude, you're on the BPT. You've done this for eight years. You've qualified for every single championship. You've top five, you've top 10. You're, you're one percenter. You're one of the most talented anglers in the world. Fact. For sure. But it sounds to me like you're saying there's two levels of top level professional angling. Now we're talking with about this 1%. Let's take elite series and BPT yeah, guys. Yeah. You're saying there's there's naturally talented guys that have that maybe not even maximized their ability, but then that level below are there grinders who have manifested their desire to be a professional angler then? So there's some that I mean this is basically easy to them is what you're saying it sounds like and then others that can grind and do it, but there's two different levels. And I think that that I mean, you agree I, with that though. I mean, that's what you're saying. I would throw that out there to say, like, like looking in other sports, like look at Tyree Kill. You're telling me there isn't people that work harder than Tyree Kill at football, or you know, there's. I think in every every different sport, I think there is that there's that top percent, and then there's different levels. And I would like to see. You know, I don't know as much in other sports as I do fishing, of course, but like in other sports, I'm sure there's people that work, take golf or take take yeah. anything like I, I would venture to say baseball doesn't matter that there is different levels at the top level. Like, you know, just throw throw a name out. I mean, just you follow more sports than I ever thought about following. So, you know, all but I think that's. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. So, do you think that there are Jacob Wheelers and Kevin Van Dams and Brandon Polinix and guys out there who have just never been exposed to fishing who can still pick it up if they're if they're introduced to it, or do you think that that critical time, that ten to fifteen years old when you're still developing, like for those freak show phenoms, have to have it ingrained in them during a developmental time or can you have a freak of nature who picked it up later in life because think about it in fishing we've had guys on the elite series we've had guys on the bpt they're currently guys here who didn't start fishing till later in life but name me a dominant person in the history of competitive bass fishing who didn't pick up fish until he was in his 20s i think it makes it that much harder because you don't have that that base i mean that kind of goes back and it, that's going to you know, kind of override the 10,000 rule thought because you could, you could work really hard at it starting at 30 years old and, and never picked up a rod before and maybe catch somebody and get to that 10,000. And then you max, I think there's, there's, yeah, there's that, you know, I think that people could not pick up a rod to 20, 20 years old, 21, 22, and then be, you know, be in that level that that's there their gift but it's that much harder i think if you wait in too far then it's it's too hard to pick i mean you there's always an exception yeah. to the rule but that's probably in anything though like you're not going to see a grandmaster chess guy who just decided at 30 and then he'd be you know he's beating the russians at it yeah yeah which you, you probably like a could. bobby fisher or something you could but maybe it'd be that much harder if you don't have that 
it's an interesting conversation because in fishing, in fishing, everyone's trying to get better. Like everyone listening to this show. Yeah. You're trying to get better. You're trying to get better. I'm trying to get better. Everybody's yeah. trying to get better. And you're trying to take little information and take something and then turn it into something that gives you an advantage on the water to catch more fish than the other guy. And yeah. in the end, it seems like the higher you get, the more similar everyone is. There's more. Yeah. It seems like there's more of the pack mentality. And then you just have the freak shows that are just out there on their own. Or the guys that's even crazier to me are the guys that constantly are doing the same thing just better than everyone else. Yep. Like a hackney. Yep. Like you'll yep. go into a tournament where everyone's flipping bushes, they'll beat everyone by 10 pounds. Yep. It's interesting stuff. It, it is. It is. All right, when we come back, I want to build on that grinder. I wasn't really planning on using this as the as a transition, but it's a beautiful transition because I have your stats for the last couple of years, and you... You live on a on a very razor thin line the majority of time when you launch the vessel, Matt. Yes. But I think there's some stuff that can be learned from that. So we'll dive into that, some of your stats from the past couple of years, and maybe maybe a little some tidbits that some of the listeners can pick up. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. BTL on a Tuesday. Alabama's Matt Lee. You're in your shop. Like I said, there are a couple of people that said it looked like you maybe were on like a prison release deal with all of the Right behind you, like a like a refrigerator room, and uh, I'm trying to make it into like an office space. It's a side little room in in the shop down here. So yeah. the top room's behind me, and that was where the office was. But it was almost so much junk, uh, you know, yeah, cool fishing stuff slash junk that I was like, I gotta move. So I just like painted this room and like moving into it. You can't. I like it. It's kind of trend. It's trendy. I like it. It's trendy. Yeah, it's yeah, sleek. Green, honestly, like it's, you know, it's hard to paint OSB board white. So I'd had to go a little bit darker, but yeah. Long All story. right. We'll be back. BTL on a Tuesday with Matt Lee. Introducing HDS Pro. Watch fish reacting to your lure live with Active Target 2. Get game-changing clarity in the megahertz range with the new Active Imaging HD Sonar. Find the richest fishing spots with CMAPS charts. Take full control of your boat with the ultimate fishing system, HDS Pro. The more you see, the more you catch. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from BassCat. Feel the rush.
Hey guys, Gerald Swindle, representing the AFCO Hydronaut. This is the jacket I love wearing when times is tough, and I'm talking about the weather, not the fishing. The jacket, what I like, I got a double cup right here. I can seal up the bottom of my jacket, because when you're fishing, you're holding your arms up, you're bad about getting water, it runs downhill. Everything bends good, I'm long arm. Look, it fits very comfortable. My arms are flexible. I've got the speed hood on, pouring down range. I can get everything zipped up. One thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space. If you ain't got enough pockets in a Hydronaut rain suit, you just got too much stuff from the water membrane that's 30k baby 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet super warm if it's cold in the winter time you put on your hydronaut you're gonna be a much more comfortable person if you don't want to just look sexy at dairy queen wear your hydronaut we got it from small to 5x most rain gear does not come in that many sizes you got waist adjusting straps we can make it fit you no matter what the environment is we want you to be comfortable we want you to be dry you gotta check it out it ain't gonna let you down the kvd 100 jerk bait 15 different colors, a perfect combination of roll, wiggle, and flash. Increased castability, 3D eyes, premium black nickel hooks, KVD, tie one on, striking lures. Elite Series Pro, Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different and really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.exonlures.com and check them out for yourself. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. All right, welcome back. BTL on a Tuesday. A lot of, a lot of chatter on the, in the instant feedback about uh, I, about our first segment there. Here's the oh yeah I'm so yeah. So here's the one thing, Matt, that we didn't really talk about. You know, we we're trying to compare it to other sports and stuff. And you were talking. You mentioned you know, you think that bass fishing is is unique, but here's where it differs. Take any other individual sport: golf, tennis, chess. Any pick another individual sport where there is a a pool of enthusiasts numbering in the thousands that could beat the number one guy in the world on any given day. Yep. Well, I kind of, I kind of would say to that too, like if, if Tiger Woods and I lined it up on a par three, I, I could beat him even a par five. I could beat him. But if we were to play 18, not a chance. Right, so you take a full day of fishing. There's guys that can beat Kevin. There's got you. You do that. There's guys that could beat Wheeler. Guys that could yeah. beat you. Guys that could beat Chrissy. Guys that could beat that. Which is where it 
is kind of weird because it doesn't exist in any other sport. Like if I do a one-on-one or anything in any other top-level professional sport against the best in it, I have a 0% chance of beating any of them. But I'd say most of our listeners today, most of the guys in the club tournament, dude, you got a shot to go out on Gunnersville and beat you. You got a shot to go out on Gunnersville and beat Jordan. You got a shot to do any of that. Now, over a long period of time, I think, is where you see it, which is why I, I think the Angler of the Year is so valuable to anglers because it talks about the longevity. But that's why I think this conversation will go on and on and on because it's the fishing is unique compared to anything. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that has to be because of that, the element of luck or not the element of luck, but the number of uncontrollable variables. Yes. That's what Which makes so- it an infinity yes. discussion is the number of uncontrollable variables that there always has been and always will be. Yes, which is a fancy way to say different kinds of luck, you know. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, yeah. Anybody, yeah, it's it's an infinite discussion. You All go right, out in the middle of Gunnersville and throw out four times and hook four eight-pounders on the right day. But then the skill is the guys who seem to always come in and, quote, get lucky. And you're like, dude, you've been getting lucky for 15 years. At some point, it's no, not luck. You're putting yourself in a better position to succeed. And then it yeah. comes down to, is it hard work or is it natural given talent? Yeah, yeah. And then it's, yeah. We could do a Joe Rogan Brow podcast on that. Do you think there's just people that are bad at fishing? Like, do you think there's people that love it that just for some reason are just bad at it? Or do you think everybody with proper instruction and work can become proficient, competitive fish fishermen at tournament fishermen, if that's their dream? You know, I don't think <laughs> if I had to think of somebody that was, that I've, that I fish with that was bad at it, that put in an insane amount of time doing it. I, I couldn't think of anybody like it, if you're, if I fish with somebody that I thought's really not that good of a fisherman, I, I've never been like, gosh, but he puts in five days a week doing it. And he's, I, you know, it's always somebody that comes out like, you know, it, I think that, I think there's different levels of, you know, how hard it can be for somebody. I, I, it's hard to put in that much time and not become proficient at fishing yeah yeah i think it's kind of like golf like there's somebody that's just not coordinated enough to swing a club but if they Mm -hmm. swung it enough times you're gonna be able to hit the ball clean surely you've been golfing a lot lately i recently got back into it uh no not not lately but off and on off and on i wish i'd never put it down like i get real obsessive over it like every single day 18 or 36 holes and i'm like dude i'm gonna get out there and break I started, you know, I was realistic, break 90, break 80, get back or, you know, break 85. Let's be honest. I'm not shooting in the seventies, but you know, 82, 83, something where you're enjoying a round. Yeah. Hitting the ball clean more times than not. Yeah. Flushing it. Yeah. That's where the, that's where the crazy thing is. You know, we saw the, the massive explosion in fishing on YouTube with challenges and all that. And and being in the in the industry, I always appreciated and respected it, but didn't understand the draw to it. Well, getting back into golf, I got uh, I've gotten hooked on Bob Does Sports and the Good Good Guys, 
And have a day. Yeah, have a day. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get the draw for the YouTube fit because I'm invested in that with the golf because I enjoy it. It's nice to see guys, you know, like Bob shanking it or guys who are playing good. I'm yeah. like online looking at the good, good putter seeing, Hey, is that worth like 300 bucks? Cause I've got like an old, and I'm like, Holy cow. I'm one of the people yeah, yeah. who relates to the YouTube fisherman. I'm that guy for golf. I'm sure the, the yeah. tour level guys at golf are like, how the heck are these guys getting more views than our entire tour? Yeah. And they're shooting in the eighties and nineties, but I like relate to them. I get it. I enjoy it. I sit, put it on yeah. the big screen and watch it. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Uh, all right, grinding. Uh, here's some stats. So let's start with the beginning oh. of your career in 15. These are your AOI finishes, and we're talking 113 anglers to 80 anglers, depending on the year, mix between Elite Series and the BPT. 65th, 82nd, 25th, 64th, 53rd, 58th, 44th, 37th. Now, in that, you have a 20... You obviously had the classic through the college bracket but you had a 25th to qualify for the 2018 classic uh and you had a 37th to qualify for the upcoming red crest yep. uh so multiple classic multiple you have top 25s and top 40 finishes your average over your eight-year career is 53.5 that's your average finish now depending on whether it's the elite series or the BPT, well you're pretty much right on the Madrosian line of $10,000 check, no $10,000 check and going into the last two events where if you catch them you're in the championship, if you don't you're not in the championship. Yeah. Or usually I'm so far behind but I catch them because it's a small enough place. Yeah. Well, I mean that's got to be a tough place. To, that's got to be a tough place to live on the line basically every single year, dude. Yeah. You almost get numb to it. You know, yeah. there's, like, there's, uh, I mean, after a while, yeah, you kind of get numb to it because it's weird. Goes back to the whole conversation with the can of worms we open. If, if, if I was to try that much, you're like, man, if you, you know, you always have buddies that are like, I, dude, you're going to, you're going to win the next one. Oh, yeah, you're going to win the next one or, 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 gosh, I was pulling for you to catch them and I didn't catch them or something. Fishing's insane. I mean, like, yeah, and it goes back. We can go so many different ways with this, and I don't know the answer to anything. I wish somebody had – here's – I wish somebody had the answer that could be like, Matt, you could do this, this, and this and change it from a 53rd average to a 15th average. But I think there's there's times, you know – Everybody, when you've been doing something for what seven seven years now, there, there's times when you're, you know, there was a part of that seven years where Abby and I we were in a fifth wheel and driving around the country and going from tournament to tournament and staying at lakes in between tournaments, doing the whole like like all in, all in, and then I think one of those years was one of those sixty seventy years, and then the next year I have four top. 12s i think it was like 17 and hadn't even been to dardanelle before you know and i usually pre-practice any lake that i'd not been to and i look back at that year and those top 12s and like gosh matt why don't you just try to duplicate what you did there like that like and i look back at every one of those tournaments and it was in i can't put my finger on anything um, like at Dardanelle, I just roll in a pocket and it looks beautiful and there's fish there and I fish there every day and I happen to have it to myself and it was easy. 
at uh, uh, Toledo Bend. I went into a creek and it had grass, and I'm pretty sure it was called Six Mile, but wasn't real sure. Started catching them on chatterbait and then ended the first day, uh, last cast catching a 7.5, had it choked. Um, and then, you know, like you just look back at things in fishing that happen and it goes back to that, like kind of, you know, if you're around anybody that fishes that has won tournaments, they all tell you it's a cliche, but, but if it's your time, it's your time. And it, it's just really, uh, you know, it's, it's a mind game. I mean, fishing at any level, I mean, any sport is, but fishing is just, gosh, I mean, like we talked a little bit about you in the opens and it's like, all right, paying, I want you to go out next year and you give it your all and you're going to win three of them. Like, like you're, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of, yeah. You can't, you can't manifest it. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't. So there is like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I gave every event I've been in my career 100% and you don't even like, I hate to even use that. Like even growing up, my parents would be like, did you give a hundred percent in that class on that test? And you're like, well, what is a hundred percent? Like, like, like first term of the year at Kissimmee, like, should I be down there right now sleeping on the bank, camping out in a tent and fishing it every day? Yeah. You know, like, like so it, I don't know, we go a lot of different ways with it, but yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's, you know, of course for me, I'm the one living in that, that scenario that you read out on paper right there. So it is, it's a lot. I mean, this is what you do for a living. This is, I fish every tournament to win the tournament. I mean, I'm not there just to have a good time. It's what I do for a living. I want to win the event. And then after a while, you know, I'm a, I'm a realist in the fact that I like to look at numbers and see if it makes sense and everything has to have a reason so that drives me even more nuts when i read that paper or you read it off it's just like you know so your finishes this year uh 36 20th 67th 24th 28th 51st and 45th your best year on the bpt what is something that was an over or overarching theme throughout the year that you did really well that allowed you to have, I mean, you didn't have, a, I mean, 67th was your lowest, but other than that, 51st, I mean, dude, that's a, that's a, a strong season by any standard. And you finished 37th in the points. What's something yeah. that you, you were like, man, I, I did this really well this year. Here's, 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 here's your answer for that is two words, cared less. And what I mean by that is, I think a lot of times going back to the numbers, like have to add up in my mind and like working harder at it. Sometimes I think in fishing that you can be so, so much can be on the line and you're so caught up in what you're doing that you're not just, you, you override instincts. You're like, thinking so hard about how to get this next bite that you're not, you're not just going fishing. And like, everybody says these terms in fishing, like just go fishing, just have fun. Fishing just free. Fish free today, Matt. Go fish free, bud. <laughs> and you know, like I think that for me, I've kind of realized that I almost, it's not that I, it's not that I, I said, don't care just to make like, that was like a news headline, you know, don't care but to just like don't 
think about the event. Don't think about the points. Don't think about really anything. Don't stress over it. Like I'm one that I can stress really too much over, you know, like even just in life in general over stuff that really doesn't matter as much. Everything it's got to be a certain way. And so that's just kind of my personality type. And then I can translate that into fishing where I'm not, you know, not making enough of, you know, I'm not just going fishing. I think mm-hmm. there's, there's something to that. All right. So I came up with it. This is the end all be all. All right. Successful tournament fishing at any level is about maximizing your potential. So, hear me out here i feel like there are some guys who might benefit from being down at the lake camping and on florida right now for two months yeah. and getting them in that warrior mindset there might the also next year uh you fall alabama never should, been there before you should be there right now <laughs> i no i'm serious i've i so here's my thing um ironically enough boy duckett said this on the show five years ago and it stuck with me he said he tries to do, you know, he's busy guy. He's got yeah. plates fairly full. Yeah. He said he tries, bit. this was just that year. I don't know if he still subscribed to this, but he said, he said, I try to do one thing every day to get ready for what's next, whether it's the season, whether it's a tournament, whether it's something. He's like, so if I have business meetings and everything, if for five minutes I can go out to my boat in the garage and organize my swim bait hooks, he goes, that gets me thinking about that first tournament where I plan on throwing a swim bait. He goes, or at lunch break, I pull up a map and look at it and say, you know, these are some interesting channel swings that might be a path. He said it has nothing to do with it. He said, but by the time you do that every single day leading up to it, he goes, you've been busy. You haven't been on the water, but you just have this sense of preparedness. So Mm -hmm. I've tried to kind of take that little piece of advice going into this year. Yeah. But max so maximizing potential. So maybe for you, maximizing potential is not overthinking it. For someone else, it might be obsessing over it. For one guy, it might be two weeks on the water. For someone else, it might be total map study. So then it comes back to the mind thing, knowing yourself and maximizing your potential because it works different for everyone. Because you room with what Jesse and Jordan? Yeah. Do they do stuff diff? Do I mean everyone does stuff differently? Like they would prepare differently than you do for a tournament. Absolutely. And that's what I always analyze people. And that's what you try to take little bits and pieces from is is all the different people. You know, it, uh, yeah, I always make jokes about Jordan fishing, but literally like always, you know, I'll I'll tell somebody, oh, I saw a bird when I was running down the lake. I just, I thought, you know what? The mat looks good and pulled over there, flipped in it, caught a nine. And like it's funny, but like that that literally happens to him, but he does not overthink. You know, if I could say one thing about my brother, like he his instincts, but he doesn't overthink. He's always trying to make decisions, but but not overthinking. You know, I always say that people ask about fishing and it being hard. You know, I think fishing is super easy. Anybody can go out there and throw a swim jig for eight hours. But that when you're making decisions from the time your boat hits the water to you get off the water, that's the hard part. But if you try to force that too much where you're just like stressing over yeah. what's my next decision, then you're not like stressing over 
where you're going to start in a tournament the first day of the year, you know, the first tournament of the year, first day of the year, stressing over it instead of just like I'm around too many people that just act like they don't care. I might start on that second spot down there in the left and they end up just having an unbelievable day. Yeah. It's like this guy didn't even want me for sure. He was going to even start there. And I'm around too many of those guys and I'm over here trying to, you know, I ought to have Abby, my wife, on the podcast with me because she hears it as much as anybody that just my mind and what I'm thinking. And it's sometimes it's just way too much. Like you're, you're, you're doing too much. Like it is bass fishing. I mean, it, uh, you know, and so there's an aspect to it like that. That's yeah. Aaron's kind of ahead of the game here. He said, I think that's where fun fishing can sometimes give you a fresh perspective so if you're only making those pressure decisions in tournament days and you're only pre-practicing and you're not spending time on the water just fishing figuring it out when there is no pressure don't you think that 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 decision making is something you can practice on the water you can dump your boat in you can get on a swim jig bite and you're like all right I'm going to go see if I can figure them out cranking and you can run through a ton of different scenarios and different parts of the lake and make decisions based on the feedback that you're given. And that actually improves your ability to do that on tournament day then. Yes. And I think there is, there's definitely like, even from an amateur level, when you're trying to learn fishing that you get, I get guys I fish with all the time that have never caught them on X bait, Y bait. But a lot of times they go fishing and they're just that, you know, they'll stuck in whatever they used to catch them on. And if you really find, you know, if the fishing's pretty good, you get caught up. You're not, you're not trying different things. You know, a guy like at your level, you've tried everything in your boat twice and then you've, and then some, but there's a lot of people out there that they just don't experiment enough. They dump the boat in and they're trying to catch fish, trying to catch one. Like they're in a tournament and I love fun fishing for that that reason is that I can, you know, just go out and there's not something online. I, and I also on a different note, there's guys that rush, like that really want to become professionals. But I do think there's something at that professional level, you're fishing enough events. You don't have a lot of free time to like fun fish and guys maybe don't just pre fun fish as much. So you don't get time to try new techniques or to be at New Lakes. You know, there was back that that group of guys like Lucas that came in and fished the FLW Tour as a co before they went pro for years, and they're, like, riding around with, you know, hanging out with the best of the best. That's in Blaylock. Yeah, two, three years before you go. And then, like, do that. They got in that two, three-year period is more valuable than anything they'll learn out doing it themselves, you know, fishing. It, uh... Yeah, I can go down that rabbit hole too. But wasn't there a couple years there where you did not have a hard or a soft base? Like I always see you talking about all sorts of different brands and baits and different stuff. Is that you still on that train? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of different ways to go with that too. So with uh, you know, we can go down the sponsor rabbit hole with that if if we wanted to go there, but that's up but, to you. I mean, we can go down any rabbit hole we want to. Or just yeah, there. It's, it's yeah. your call or, or we could, we could yeah. mix it. Uh, you asked the question. I'm I thinking. just thought it was it. It was, I thought it was very yeah. interesting because I see you talk, you're all, you know, you were on IG and Facebook and stuff and it was all, it's always something 
different. It's not like a the same three things over and over again. Yeah. I oh, you're talking about as like bait comp bait. Yeah, different companies. brands, different bait companies, different types of plastic, all sorts of different stuff. Yeah. Well, like like as from a sponsorship perspective, I would love to represent one brand and have one boat, one truck, and one that I really like and keep that same thing for the whole my whole right. career. And but the problem runs into is a lot of companies are bought out, a lot of companies switch management, a lot of um, you know, you might have where in, in fishing sponsorships in any level sponsorships in general you hope that you and whoever you're working with are kind of on the same page as far as you know if i can help you grow then you help me grow and my deal gets better as the company grows but it doesn't work out like that and from an angler's perspective you can kind of choose to like you know there's different everybody's different so some anglers just don't care like if, if you give them like a, a june bug crickets they'll take that and man just they're just trying to go fishing and have a good time and some guys are were, are fortunate enough to be with a brand and be a staple in that brand and so they're they're going to be there for the foreseeable future and they have that relationship and it's worked out that and for me in the last four or five years, it has been that where the brands I've been with for whatever reason, it's not stuck. It's not a, you know, one, you know, you change a management a couple times and then one was kind of a, uh, it's kind of a false promises. And, and so it just, it's just relationships and working together like in any business, just like mm-hmm. it is sponsorships, it changes. So yeah, I've, I've had several different bait companies and um, so that That you can ask a follow-up if you want to. I don't, I just don't know. You've thrown that. uh, Doesn't depths make that like heavy poop thing or whatever it's called. Cover scat. So, so so how does that thing work? Yeah. So depths in general, not to just go on a huge plug here, but no, no, no. I'm asking because I've seen you. I'm pretty sure I've seen you in some videos with the cover scat. Yeah, yeah. You like that cover? I know you. I knew you would. No, I've never thrown it. I've never owned one. Oh. I have no idea how to tie it on or fish it. It looks absolutely ridiculous. I feel like it would be a regression in my fishing to tie that thing on. But then to see guys like you and stuff, it seems like it's a very viable thing. So the thing about dips. So there's a lot of bait companies out there. Everybody knows. And there's a lot of stuff out there that catches more fishermen than it does fish. Okay. And there's what we like to call Mickey Mouse. There's a lot of Mickey Mouse stuff on the shelves that just somebody needed another skew for something with a bill on it. So they just painted one up in this bright orange color and stuck it up on a Walmart shelf, seeing if it would go. So Depths does not make one. They do not make one thing that they just made just because they needed to make some money or put something out there. They didn't have to come up with a skew. They didn't have to like, you know, we need to tweak this around a little bit more so we can make more money on this type of lure. There's nothing. Everything they make has a purpose. And I'm still learning because a lot of it is, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated in the, like a lot of things that I know now 
as far as fishing goes, the techniques that we have, we got from out West. And then a lot of people out West got those same techniques from people in Japan. And this is kind of like firsthand seeing a lot of like, so for instance, the cover scat is a heavy salted plastic that, that the three and a half inch version sinks like, like it's, a, I would say it's like a similar to like a three sixteenths ounce weight. Yeah. There it, it is it, right there. I pulled it up on yeah, fishing. Yeah. And the reason that it was invented, like it is like little plastic pieces of gold in Japan is because on Lake Biwa, I'm fascinated with all this stuff. Uh, on Biwa, there's, grass but there's also a lot of offshore rock and really gnarly rock and you almost can't the way kenna kumar explains it it's like you can't throw anything in there and there's some west coast stuff like this too that i've heard like like you can't throw a drop shot in there because it will hang up and you'll break it off okay and so they designed a bait like this that you can fish weightless at a deep depth and it never snacks so it sinks like, like imagine throwing a three sixteenths shaky head. Like that's how, that's how fast it sinks because it has that much salt. So you can fish bait like that weightless. So it does ne- not going to snag at, and, and also kind of along that lines is I think, you know, they'll always say the lightest weight you can get away with the best, mm-hmm. something that falls natural is better you know, like a the, the less weight, the better. So when you cast out a worm, okay, when you cast out a shaky head, this matters a lot in fishing, but it doesn't, you know, if you're fishing in a pond, it doesn't. If you cast out a worm, it sinks like it's a tube, you know, it's not going to fall straight. But if you cast this bait out, it's like it's, a, it's natural because it's rigged weightless. So when you cast it out, it just flutters to the bottom, but it, but it sinks really fast because of the salt in it. So it's, it's actually like a real natural presentation compared to a lot of things that we throw. So it gets bites on top of that, but. Okay. Can I, can I ask you about another weird one that seems to be making? So, uh, 20 minutes on about this thing. Go ahead. No, no, no. I liked it. I talked a little bit with, uh, Alton Jr. about this, uh, and Bellows, the Bellows Guild deal. But then there's also, this is, seems to be like the new style there, you know, Pure Fishing has that one that looks like a bluegill, that's, but that's different. Yeah. This is, like, flippable, and we're seeing, like, Kenta doing some crazy stuff with this stuff yeah. on the Elite Series and the Opens. It's, like, flippable, flat, leaf-slash-bluegill-shaped plastics. Yeah. So there's a guy... Dove there's into a guy, that? A guy that works for Optimum that his name's Kaz, and his English is getting better, but I watched the a podcast that he did and he was talking about how he did, he likes to throw big swim baits, but he like catching them on this bull flats too easy. So he doesn't throw it much. <laughs> yeah, he was serious when he was he like, he wasn't bragging. He was serious, but I, that's one of those, like the bull flats one in Japan, they don't have as many shad. They, they, a lot of the bass feed on bluegill. That's their main forage. So this bait, but also it is, I, that's the bull flats one that like, I try to get Ken into like, stay at my house for a month so I could just go fishing with him. He could just show me because I've watched all kinds of videos and I fish it and I catch fish on it, but there's, they do so much little different. I don't know where they got those pictures from, but those that's on Omnia. 
Oh, my gosh. I don't, I don't know where the, the, the uh, Japanese little rig diagrams they do are, are yeah. next level. Like, you know, where they put nail weights in it and stuff. But And it takes like four minutes of cast to get it down to like 18 foot? Yeah. Yeah. They do that with a cover scat where they do that, that kind of strolling technique. Like you've seen Shin Fukai do it a little bit, maybe. It's kind of, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to give out too much to you something. No, I had a I had a 19-year-old Japanese kid at uh, Douglas. And I think he was averaging maybe <laughs> 15 to 20 casts an hour. A day? An hour. 15 to 20 casts an hour. So, I mean, I wasn't moving. I was locked in on my 12 and a half, 13 a day. Because, I mean, I was, there's a point, there's a point, there's a yeah. point. Cullen ounces, and he just... Ha ha, there's one. And I think he caught like six the whole day, but it was, his line was metered. He had the metered line. That hasn't really come over here yet. Sunline's messed around a little bit with the metered, but over in, in the, the overseas in Japan. So like you could, it's you know, it's like chartreuse brown, clear <laughs> chartreuse metered line. Then like different, basically like a, t- a tippet, almost like a tippet in fly fishing. And then all sorts of little, beads and swivels and snaps so you have this weight that like is it's like a he had like a japanese free rig i think is basically yes, what it was. Yeah, yeah. and then this little bitty plastic on a smaller than a one-aught and it was a shape and i mean he just and yeah. he he had like three for nine and a half behind me yeah yeah they do some stuff like that that's like i haven't a lot of that stuff i, I just haven't dialed in it's one of those things where it's Unless somebody shows you, it's really tough to watch a video on that and dial it in. Like, even you, like, you were probably, he was in your boat, and you know what he was doing, but you really couldn't just go out and do it exactly. Oh, I didn't have it. I didn't have any of the stuff. Like, not a single piece of that equipment. uh, If you got the stuff, you would still, like, tomorrow, went out and tried to fish like he was fishing, like you would be. It's really detailed in what they do. You can't just, like, that free rig deal is another thing. Like, they is super popular that I've played around with that, you know, I'm, I'm still, there's a, there's times when all that stuff is like dynamite. Is there anything out there now, which obviously you wouldn't give up, but is there anything out there now? Cause I mean, you're a bait guy, man. Like you're, you know, what's up. You talk with a lot of guys. Is there anything, is there a chatter bait an a rig? Is there one of those out there right now that in the next, three to five years is going to blow up there's i don't think there's um like is anyone fishing an industry changing bait right now no there i don't think there's an industry changing but there's just different techniques that are new that that people haven't really figured out that are that can get you more bites but it's not an industry change like not that i know about you know i don't know at all but i I know there's a few techniques out there that in in the right situation that gets you more bites that than just fishing like good old boy style. But yeah. you know, living here on Smith Lake, it's a it's like Gunnersville, you know, I think there's a couple of deals that, that that's starting to come along that's kind of it's gonna change the way people fish a little bit, but it's not not industry changing. Now Smith Lake you have clear water so there's always new techniques and how to get fish to bite in that in that water like a lot like heartwool and 
but none of it's like you're going to go out and win every tournament doing it, but it just gives you more vibes. Smith Lake's a good learning lake then. Smith Lake's phenomenal. I mean, Jordan and I fished a good Friday tournament there, and there was 35 guys, and I think we finished ninth or 10th with 14 pounds, and not, Wiggins won with 19, and, you know, it, Gunnersville's a fantastic lake. The Smith Lake, to me, is, is very underrated, which is fine, and on the Tuesday, I don't see anybody, and I can catch fish on top water on every point on the lake, and there's some good ones out there, too, so it, uh, I really like it. Spotty's your favorite? I, I love Spotty. I love, you know, I like using my, my grass to catch fish, so, you know, I like fishing that way, but I also like flipping grass, punching. I mean, I like it all, really, yeah, except you for were- on my record, I know that, like, if I go to a smallmouth lake or a clear or Tennessee River or smallmouth, I've got a decent chance to get a check. If I go to somewhere like the Sabine that's a mud hole that you only get one bite a day, uh, I'm really probably not going to get a check. But I, I kind of translated that into maybe that I'm versatile. I like to throw everything, you know, kind of like you, like we'll throw it all. And that also, that makes it that much harder, I think, to get dialed in on a deal when you can't get bites on anything that you throw. You're better off just picking one and rolling with it before you even show up at the ramp. And something that's been on my mind the last couple of years about going back to the record thing. Yeah, uh, when you're on the Elite Series, it's hard because the BPT doesn't really keep stats in order to figure out like where you are and what lake and stuff. You have to go back individually and do it for the years. But 12 out of your 15 top 30s with bass were on multi-species fisheries. That's, yeah, I know. that's pretty strong. Like when you go and it's just a largemouth deal, not your strong suit. But when you have yeah. spots in largemouth, spots, smallmouth, largemouth, largemouth, smallmouth, you're pretty strong in those derbies. Yeah, if if the cut weight's really high, I'm pretty strong. If the cut weight's like low, um, I know that I'm not as good. Uh, if it's got grass, of course, I like I like fish grass, but it yeah, and it's almost like so. I told Bobby Bobby about we were talking about at one point Bobby Lane, and he was like, "So you're telling me you suck in muddy rivers?" And I'm like, "Well, that's one way to put it, Bob. I guess yeah, good point." So I guess I need to practice muddy rivers. Yeah. Uh, here's a question from uh, Nick. And you've talked about this before. Guck's done yeah. stories and stuff. He said, I would love to know how you manage your type one diabetes with your tournament fishing. He said he has it too. And he fights the takeoff spike. I fight the takeoff spike with the mid morning low. If that means anything. And then a couple of yeah. different guys have been like, Hey, I've got it too. And then talking about like, being out in the middle of the lake if something goes down is that something that yeah so wherever you want to go with that i'm not sure what that means yeah i found out when i was 20 my dad's a veterinarian and he's always paranoid you look sick son you look you know and i'm like dad i'm fine so i came home and uh and long story short he he, i was you know eating waffle house whatever you eat in college and he's like you look you lost weight and uh, I'd weigh like, I'd lost like 15 pounds. And I was like, yeah, I have lost weight. And he went and checked my blood sugar and it was like super high. And I think you're diabetic. So I've I've been a diabetic for 13 years or known about it, 13 years, give or take. And I've never like, 
I've never passed out from a load. So like for people that don't know, basically your normal blood sugar is like in the hundred range. If you get down 70, 60, you could like, you know, you need to eat something or, or you could pass out. If you get real high, your blood sugar, you can have a lot of, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. Let me disclosure, but I usually get headaches. You feel real groggy, tired. And, uh, so I have a, I had an animus vibe, animus vibe pump. And now I have a tandem pump with a Dexcom sensor. And I change the sensor out every seven days and it Bluetooth to my phone and my pump to tell me what blood sugar is every five minutes. So I don't have to prick my finger anymore like I used to. And my, my pump holds hundred what units of, or no backtrack, like 300 units of insulin. And it gives me X amount of insulin every hour. And then I bolus for whatever I eat. But uh, I have different profiles on my pump. I can set like, if I'm not active, like I am this morning, I can have a normal setting, but then also I can tone it down on the amount of insulin I get if I'm out and active in a tournament. But I always keep like, I'm king of snacks in the boat. So I'll have peanut butter crackers. I'll have something like straight sugar and I keep a Ziploc bag in the back. And then usually more than one bag, just in case like I take the other bag out because I'm hungry at some point. So I always have and like keep a Sprite or something in the cooler, but I've never like had a, it gets low a lot when I fish, but I've never had a incident where I was caught out and it was low and I didn't have anything to get it back up or, anything like that so it's a it's more of a management just kind of an extra hassle in day-to-day life and it's like you know big scare i guess that's a that's a good thing yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah. that's interesting i said there's a couple people on the there's yeah people ask all the time i wondered what that was it's t1d steve is his name so i'm assuming that's type 1 diabetes steve yeah and then nick said he also has it and steve was just diagnosed this past winter so he was uh He's trying to figure out how to how to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, my dad has it too, but I'm not sure what I'm not sure what type he has. So, yeah, type one is like your your you look, usually it's genetics or it can be from a virus, and your pancreas stops producing insulin for whatever reason. It can be from from stuff that they haven't even figured out yet. Type mm-hmm. two is basically that your body is not producing enough insulin to keep up with kind of what you're putting in your body. So with exercise, better diet and, and eating better, exercise, better diet. But anyways, you can help your blood sugar levels. Take a pill maybe, mm-hmm. but with type one diabetes, like my pancreas slowly just stopped producing insulin. So no matter how well I eat or if I don't eat any carbs, my blood sugar will stay good. But okay. yeah, exercise is serious. Not Type ones, yeah. Well, they're both serious, but type one is is considered more serious, right? Yeah. Well, type yeah, type one is, but a lot of people that have type two are not in good health, so they're older, so it's actually, yeah, you know, depends. But yes, type one, you you need insulin. You can't just I can't just take a that little whatever truly or whatever the commercial is. I can't just take one of those once a day and be good. Do you even think about it anymore, or is it just part of your life where you just go on with it and you know exactly what to do, and it's not a big distraction? Oh yeah, it's like brushing your teeth. It's like yeah, twice a week. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> like every time I eat, I, yeah, every time I eat, I dial it up, you know, what I got to do. And, you know, I, I never really was a sweets person. Like, luckily, it wasn't my brother or my wife that had diabetes because they're both like bad sweets. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, the diet part's not hard, but. You know, I have ups and downs and good times and bad times when I'm eating really good and then I'm eating stuff I shouldn't. And, you know, what try, there's a lot of stuff coming out now. Like, I'm just thankful it's happening now and not in the 60s. I didn't even know how to treat it. And you're just like, good luck. Yeah. And so there's a lot of stuff out there now. Uh, kind of, I guess, on the, along the personal side, I saw you sticking signs in a yard on Instagram the other day and your name was underneath it. Are you a realtor now? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like an actual realtor? Like, did you have to go to like school and all that stuff and I take classes and 60 hour course on, yeah, to get, to take the test to get my license. So long story with that is, so here's the deal in fishing. A lot of people have other stuff that they do that, some of them are more well-known than others, you know, not everybody's boy Duckett and he's got 12 different businesses or whatever, but most, you know, from hanging out with a lot of guys, a lot of guys have side hustles, whatever it might be. You know, you got Cliff uh, Prince is in Florida and he's got like his like Porta John business on the side. You know, you yeah. got, everybody's got a little something. My thing is uh, we don't have any, I don't have any kids right now. And, I have time enough in the off season to be doing something else. And I'm a tinker. Like I can always find something to do. Like I, I, it, I don't know how I find so much to do, but I can always find something to do. Like last winter, I, I built an office in the back of our shop for my wife. It was, and that was a, I mean, a project, but I'm just always can be doing something. But I, I think I, and I always talked about starting a business, get in with a buddy and kind of, if I start my own business, then I have to actually, you know, then you can consume you where you can't get away to go fishing if, and so I'm kind of limited, you know, my degree is in industrial engineering, but I can't just go to apply at the Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville for a job and say, Hey, I need off for about, you know, four, four and a half months next year. So I've always been limited in what I could do, but I really, I, you know, I want to challenge myself with something else. The, the thing with fishing is, is I feel like it, I've, I've been in it long enough now that I, if I was to devote, it's not exactly a, a exact correlation between time, energy, effort, and success from a winning standpoint, from a money standpoint. Um, there's not that direct correlation. So I, I've been in it long enough that I'm like, I can, I can fish and do this you know, it kind of goes back to like my success last year was mm-hmm. like, just, just go fishing. I have enough time to be doing something else. So real estate, my mother-in-law sells real estate here on Smith. My, my wife, Abby has a cleaning, like a Lake home solutions. It's a cleaning slash concierge service on the lake that she started. Oh, wow. and she's also a nurse, right? Well, she used to be a nurse. Oh, now, okay. Yeah. Now she does that. She started her own business. She has like eight or nine girls that work for her and they, uh, you know, she takes care of, a lot of people in Smith, they, they live in Massachusetts and have a lake house here that's a million-dollar house that they come to once a year. And, hey, the cable guys come by. I don't have anybody to meet him there. Well, I'll go over there. And then also, the, you know, there's a lot of rentals on the lake. So they, she does a lot. But so real estate to me was like, okay, with that, with my mother-in-law doing it, I'm able – I can do it and, and kind of – I've never wanted – like, gosh, I can't wait to be a real estate agent. But 
I think it's an opportunity for me and something that I could like, I, I can easily get distracted. We talked about it kind of yesterday, my list of things to do or things that I wanted. Like last night I got home and I was looking at 3d models of houses and kind of how to do it online. Cause you're kind of nerdy like me, like I play on Adobe Photoshop and like, you know, I, I can do all that computer stuff. So then the guy here that does 3d renderings of houses, he's backed up and can't even take you more. I'm like pretty sure I could figure out how to do that. So start researching that last night. Like I'm always, but it's hard for me to maintain focus. So real estate, I was like this summer, I'm like, I'm going to get my license and, and see what happens. And I'm going to give it, get, you know, I'm going to roll with it because, uh, yeah, I don't want to turn around, blink and be 55 and be like, man, I had fun fishing for 25 years, but gosh, I kind of, what if I would have just tried to do something else? There's kind of a ceiling in fishing that like you went back to the whole guys in the top 1%. You know, I think it's something that's not talked about a lot is the money aspect, the sponsor aspect. There's a lot of disclosures and agreements where you're not supposed to talk about money wise, but th there's, you know, how many guys are on a professional tour? 200. I'm going to throw out there that, 25 of them make really good money what I would consider really good money these days and give or take. And, and then there's a lot that make a solid living. And then there's a lot that struggle and a lot of, I've seen it. I've been in it long enough now to see a lot of guys that they even have great years, but you're not guaranteed, you know, you're not, you got to be making enough money in the great years to make up for the ones that aren't so great towards the end. There's no retirement plan. And, you know, to me, I feel like if I've got time to be doing something else to get ahead while I, while I can, I, you know, get after it. It's a lot. Everybody wants to fish, you know, like, like high school anglers call, like I want to be a professional. I'm like, figure out how to make a lot of money because if you have enough time and money, you can fish until you, you can go fish to try to qualify at a professional level as long as you want to. There's no time frame. It's not like you're in college throwing a 99-mile-an-hour fastball and you better get to the big leagues before you get old enough that your body can't take it anymore. Like in fishing, there's, you know, have that mindset where I, I know that you want to be a professional angler tomorrow, but – Honestly, once you qualify for it, money is is as big of a factor as the fishing, and you've got to take that in consideration too when you're, you know. Yeah, I wish I had done more business classes in college instead of marketing and communications classes. Yeah, to, to me, like I I know I'm a decent at a lot of things, lot like you are, but like finance, taxes. That was something that was kind of like I I don't didn't know as much and I'm learning now because of real estate stuff. Yeah. But people use everybody has to deal with money and people a lot of people out there use money in sly ways to make more money and then they make more money. And no, I found that in the opens as I've gotten to know a lot more guys being out there and traveling and you meet guys and you know you're sitting around going, well, how the hell do you have 175 guys out there spending 35 to 40,000 on an $1,800 entry fee where the only way you, you know, 2% of the guys are making their money back. But then yeah. as you get to know guys, you're like, okay, this guy's 40 years old or this guy's 30 years old, but he spent 
10 years building a business that he just sold for seven figures or he has a side business with 15 employees and when he's not at the open he's in his his hotel room on the phone working on something or he has two of these side businesses on the side and then you start realizing okay yeah there are the guys out here that are working the nine to five that get sit you know that maybe have a boss that let them off and they are on credit cards and they are in debt they did it is a, a total goat rope but yeah. there's also a lot of guys who like have their stuff together and they're like, yeah, I'm 98% going to lose money on this, but I have busted my ass for this amount of time to be able to do this comfortably. Yeah, And they're yeah. smart dudes. It's not like they're risking everything to do it. And if they lose 30,000, they lose 30,000. They're prepared to do it because they put themselves in position to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I always, I, I you know, goes back to the whole like me fishing and fishing better. I always wondered like, you know, you go to like boy Duckett, like just use an example because everybody does when he doesn't catch him at an event or whenever he, you know, he's as mad as I am. Like he is not happy. He's a competitor. Look at Gerald Swindle. He, he is a, you know, he is not happy when he doesn't catch him. But is he depending on that money? To Dude, pay Boy Duckett talent? lost his classic check. They called him 11 months later when they were doing the books, and they're like, hey, we're a half million dollars short. Like, And then we went back through our books and realized you never cashed your classic check. And he went, huh. And he had yeah. to go back and look. in. He found it in the front pocket of the suitcase that he took to the classic that was in storage. That's where he found the classic check for half a million dollars. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, how that's a true story, man. How different would you fish if you're one of those guys that you that you know? How different would you fish coming out of college if you had you know like you know fishing's a lot different when you don't depend. There's a lot of guys. What's the turnover rate of guys that qualify for the top level and then don't last for two years and then they're in debt? Like because you're not you're not trained on any of that. As soon as you qualify, you're paying entry fees and you're, I mean you are on your own to come up with a hundred thousand dollars just to make a, a penny. And that's, dude, it is not a recipe for success. You gotta, you know, if, like my brother's one of the few people that are actually make money just on tournament winnings like that, that I don't know what percentage of that, but you can do the math. That, that's mm-hmm. not that's Well, I mean, the guys who could do that are like, we mentioned Aaron, Steve yeah. Kennedy, yeah, Jordan, the guys who go out and are consistently in the top, you know, Kevin could have done it if he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. And unless you can do that, like you, you diversify, there is something to be said about that. Yeah. Like, but even Kennedy, very smart with his money, yes. yeah. very smart. Like I went and did that documentary with him and I was like, okay, yeah. it's not like these guys, it, it, you know, he, it, it seems like by golly, I just go out and catch him and rely on my tournament winnings, but yeah. he's very smart with, the tournament winnings he had and the stuff beforehand. Yes. Very what you, it's hard to be unless you're there. It's just like you talked about the opens you, until you get to know the guys. It just looks like everybody in here is just a bad gambling, got a bad gambling addiction. Like I do. We're just and there are a bunch of guys who do. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean like maybe sure. me included. I'm not, I'm not excluding myself from yeah. that. Yeah. I know like, I just know from my perspective, I've been fortunate enough. I don't have kids. Like I, I make, I can make enough money to live off of by fishing. I'm going to make a check and about half the events I fish are you're right. Yeah. You look at my stats. And so I, I 
done well enough with sponsors that I can afford to, but I'm not getting ahead. Like I look at my, my fishing career and like, I'm not stacking money back, like preparing for retirement. And it's just like, okay, should I go to Kissimmee and, and hop in a and tent camp till the event starts, you know, like, or, or also I can find myself doing stuff where I not going to, you know, make money from it. Like, you know, like re- remodeling my house, you know, yeah. I can spend a whole month in there. I can do all kinds of stuff. That's actually, you know, productive. stay busy, but it's not productive from a yeah. financial standpoint. So that's, that's me in real estate. So it's like, I know the area that the, uh, real estate company that I work for the brokerage, they actually do lake homes in 34 States. They have agents on lakes. So a lot of these agents, like my mother-in-law, she knows Smith well, but she doesn't know a lot about any other lake. Well, I've been to most of these lakes before and these agents are all over the country. So it's kind of cool to work with Lake Holmes Realty and I'm a fisherman on lakes all across the country. And so it's something that, you know, I'm challenging myself in a new, new area. So like if you're looking for land on or house or whatever, hunt land, anything there, like they can legit call you and you're their deal. You're their guy. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go tour a home this afternoon in, Huntsville, or you got a house in Birmingham, you don't need a list. I can do it. Well, I go That's... take pictures of it. And kind of like, like for me, I'm the techie side. So like I can go drone picture. Like, so Swindle has some lots that I'm listing for him. So I can drone it myself, put it on Photoshop, outline the lot, get it on the MLS and don't have to like pay somebody to do that. Cause I can just, I can just do it. So that's kind of my niche in the, in the deal is like I can do a lot of the techie stuff myself and like look up deeds and parcel layouts and all that. Yeah. But. All right. So the, along the line, you mentioned swindle. Here's the other thing that we talk about. Name one of these top guys that does not have multiple revenue streams, either in or outside of the industry. So guys who don't even have to like, look at Ike. Like there's a yeah. hiked up energy drink. He's selling oh, socks. Yeah. He's selling socks. He's got all sorts of different. Gerald yeah. was a perfect, perfect example of that. Like I would love, here's what I want to, I need to have Gerald on because I want to talk to Gerald about the early elite series days immediately after ESPN bought it. He had a yeah. number one hunting show. He had G man's garage. He was, yeah. he was, you know, you want him, baby. I got it. Catching 10 pounders coming off the first angler of the year, like that dude. And then you look at like, he had some early non-endemics. He had the sicko deal going. He had two television shows an outdoor block like that. Like we talk about Kevin and, and Edwin and rockstar stuff like that two year period for Gerald, in my opinion, rockstar. I mean, dude, like, yeah, he was on top of everything. Yeah. And that's a business decision because it's not like they're like, hey, let's take the classic champ or let's take this guy who's winning all the time. He was consistent, figured out a way to relate to the audience, caught them, obviously, yes, but but didn't put himself there with W's. He put himself there with business savvy. Hey, yeah. Swindle is a random redneck, but make no mistake, he is like a comedian. He is smart. He knows what he's doing. Ike Nelly is a screamer and he's psychotic, but he is way smarter than anybody gives him credit. Like he know, you know, 
like Swindle, he could easily just post funny videos on Facebook and monetize it. But he's a smart, like not only is he gifted in that, you know, aspect that he, he knows how to, yeah, there was not somebody just, Hey, Swindle. Yeah. I, I got an idea for you. Let's go make some money. Like, no, he knows he's very intelligent. Dude. And that's Multiple. What a lot of, yeah. Multiple yeah. revenue streams for all those guys. Edwin, oh. the the pecans. Uh, I've had I've had a lot of discussions. I, I don't I won't even throw his name out, but he literally was like, you know, you can either work for a company, and then it just kind of when it ends, it ends, and you're right back to where you started, or you can invest in yourself. And he's started a lure company, and yeah. now it's rolling. Like uh, it, it's the guy wasn't, but look at what John Cruz is like. Guys who are super successful, multiple revenue wrap this up, put a bow on it. I was at the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame two years ago. It was right at, like, literally right after I'd found out I was, I was probably taking over the Bass Zone. Jeffries was going to go bowl nine times a day and coach basketball and yell at high yeah. school kids. Uh, Kevin walks in, big supporter of the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, brings Sherry every year that they're free. It's at Bass Pro Shops there in, in Missouri. And we're just right there, and I was, I was just at the bar having a beer by myself. I got in there early, and he stands up. I got two Bud Light Limes, blah, blah, blah. And I said, what's up, Kevin? Blah, blah. And we just start chatting. No one's there. Like, it's just hanging. I said, dude, I said, uh, he said, Wait, what? basically, he was like, why the hell are you fishing the opens? Yeah. And, <laughs> like, you know, like, what, kind of a tongue-in-cheek, like, what are you doing trying to get into this? I said, what's your biggest piece of advice? His biggest piece of advice was make sure – BTL is your number one priority because the fishing won't be there without the BTL because that's your unique, that's what's different, right? That's your unique thing, and that's the time and energy that you've put into it. And he said, at this day and age with as much money and something, you have to have it. He said, do not forget about that as you try to catch fish. That's awesome. That's kind of stuck with me like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, you got to have your, everybody has that. Like, I feel like if you just fish, and all you do is fish, you're almost like working for another company. When your time's out, like you, you when you're done fishing, you, you, you have to retire. The money stops flowing. It's the end of it. You've not, you know, it, it's hard to just fish and just have a few sponsors and be able to put money behind for retirement or to invest in something else. It's, that's, that's really it's really tough to do. You know, you look at it back when you're talking about ESPN took over, you know, we're basically fishing for the same check today. I don't know how much the opens has changed. Not too much since then, like, like inflation and all that, like money, $10,000 is not what it was in 2006. So you're, you know, the industry is changing, it's growing, but it's not changing, you know, fast enough that everybody needs to just rely on, that is there you know it uh to me to me the real estate stuff is a start and you know like i'll go out tomorrow and shoot video on the water of me throwing a crankbait until 12 i'll drone a lot that's just down the lake from where i'm at i'll come back put on the computer answer some emails and then like make an instagram post eat dinner and watch some football and go to bed so i can i can mix in and do both and like having people here that I count on like my mother-in-law, Cindy, she, she does real estate. So like when I'm gone, she's there, you know, if I'm something needed here and 
I don't know. It's exciting. It's new. It's different, you know. And uh, yeah. so I don't have a Bass Talk Live yet. So like you've kind of narrowed it down to where you're like, I've, this is my my thing. This is my baby. And me, I've always just been all over the place, but I, I don't have that thing. And so still searching, but yeah. Are there any helipads on Smith? Uh, any houses with helipads? Because you get out there uh, in the Carolinas that uh, – yeah. And it's like every one of those million dollar houses has a helipad. Not, not really a helipad because uh, no, here they have an airport next to one like big subdivision, but not a helipad. I know. Of. I always wondered what those people do with those houses, because you go. I mean, you fish some of those houses, and you're like, "Holy cow! Everyone here has a three point five million dollar house." Well, you know what they did during COVID was is that the, the house was eight hundred thousand, and then people could borrow money for no interest. So then they they were willing to pay one point two for the house. So then they bought it for one point two, and now that same house, somebody's coming in and want a lake place, and they'll pay one point six for it. And so, not only is more people coming in with money that can afford to pay money for it and doing ten thirty one exchanges and all this that that now the people that had money or, you know, that bought the 800,000, they're making money. Uh, and, uh, you know, Smith Lake's an area right now where I don't care if you're selling hot dogs on a pontoon boat out there, you can make money if you work hard enough at it. And it's a, it's a growing, awesome place. But don't tempt me with a hot dog stand. Come on with that Dude, hot dog pontoon. Hey, no, you're not, I'm not kidding. So, in March, I was down in Florida, and we went out on this ri- on this river on a uh, what are the kind of pe- paddle boards? Yeah, we went like eight miles up. Started first thing in the morning. There's manatees and stuff, and on the way back, there's a hut anchored in the middle of this river. It's it's this dude. That's what I'm who's talking. retired who l- lives there. He gets on his little pontoon straw hut and he's got hot dogs he's got hot dogs out in the middle three dollars cash now i didn't have any cash this is even better he's he had got, on it. no that's better he i bought two hot dogs on credit so he knew he knew based on the paddle board where we went out of right me and my girlfriend yeah. so he's like oh you're with like Tom. Tanya and Jim or whatever who are up this creek off of this river. I said, you know, I didn't bring any cash. I didn't want it. He goes, uh, he writes it down. He's like, got him down there. And he goes, you give him six bucks. And then he makes his rounds and, and picks up the money once a week. So I, when I went back. I said, hey, I got I got two hot dogs for him. And they're like, oh, he got you, huh? And they're like, that he's such a hustler, man. He's been selling dogs out in the middle of the river for years. And I gave him six bucks from my stash back in the truck and it's like a credit card. If you can get it on credit to your room without having to carry anything, I'll order 12 more hot dogs than I ever thought about needing. Just bill me later. I mean, we're in the middle of of, yeah. of the Amazon jungle here, and I've got a steamed dog yeah, with, a, with a toasted bun in the middle of the river. All day. What you want for it? I mean, I just jumped off the board. I was thigh high. He's like relish, ketchup, mustard. And I'm just like sitting on my board going, holy cow, this came out of nowhere. Give this man a Celsius and a hot dog. <laughs> it was. It was insane. I saw you were on that Red Bull. You know, I'm a Celsius kick yet. 
I've done the Celsius. I got I get the Red Bulls at a on the cheap at a discount. Oh. Like I do the six. It's a horrible habit. I've found as I get older, I have more and more bad habits that are going to lead to. Yeah. Health problems down the road. Yeah. I need to stop doing that. I'm not as bad as Kevin Ledoux, but Ledoux will drink like seven Red Bulls a day. The little mini ones. He treats them like shots. You watch Bob on his Celsius though, right? Who? I'll send some stuff. Bob does sports. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all all about that. He's awesome. He's a good. St- I mean, dude, he's a he's a hustler too. We talk about it fishing. He did. Oh. It. He's like a dude who just moved out to. He wanted to be in show business. He moved out to the West Coast. He worked as a bellman at a hotel and tried to do yes. the improv and acting, and then found his niche. Randomly found Fat Perez just at a hotel gathering, and he was like a four handicap. Yeah, and then he found you know his friend joe yeah it's it's really cool it's yeah it's so funny though because yeah you are that guy in fishing you're that guy y'all i'm what you're the the youtube guy in golf and you're talking about in fishing like how like oh people watching this people watching this but then you switch to another sport like golf and you're are you the youtube guy in golf too do you mean do you sit down and watch that stuff from beginning to end no, I don't. I don't as much. Like I know Salden's big into golf, so he does. Uh, but no, no, I'm on like other YouTube stuff. Like I've been on this one one rental at a time. Shout out Michael Zuber. Like I, I just want, watched. Hold it. on, I'm on YouTube right now. Hold on, let me yeah. check this out. I like you know, like mainstream news. It's just not do. You know, I'm just not. I, I don't know. I like. I like to get it short and sweet. He's got financial news and like stuff. I like, I like you and I could like a lot of the same stuff. We One we already know at a time. Yeah. Okay. Like to me, like investing in real estate is almost as exciting as as like selling real estate. But I'm not really at the point to be investing in it yet. But maybe if you win Redcrest. Yeah. Yeah. You on your stage, you go. I cannot wait to invest all of no, these, no. all of this windfall. No, I ain't trying to invest that hard. If I win, I'm not going to be talking about investing. We'll be throwing a party. My big thing now is I got it, the garage to where the boat fits in, but I've got a forty-eight or fifty by fifty slab. I'm in the house a year, fifty by fifty slab. I was always, I was hoping I could pop and open, and then boom, metal building, forty-eight by forty-eight. So, uh, what are you saying? I want to put, put the metal building on that, but I haven't done anything with it yet. As a real estate, like uh, you can all, I mean, that that increases the value drastically. Oh yeah. So you just yeah, you just have a concrete pad. Yeah, just a straight pad. Like my kid's four year old comes over on his tricycle and just burns it up because it's just like oh. perfectly flat cement. Puts the helmet on and just rah, 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 all around and peeling out yeah. and stuff and. Yeah, it's just a chunk, just a slab of perfectly even concrete. It's all right. You put something on it at some point, and it'll be legit. After the lucrative open year coming up. All right, Matt. Anything else? Anything else that you want to you want to get in here? Plug, talk about. This has been a very uh, educational and entertaining hour and thirty five minutes. Yeah. What? What? Uh, does anybody else hit up with a comment? Something they want to know? 
No, I was bummed to hear uh, Mike Leach passed away this morning. Yes, I saw that, Rock. My Mm. favorite, favorite football coach. Once again, unique, did things his own way, very analytical. Not a good deal there. Yeah, not good. That's, that's, life is short, man. It's, in our world, there's too much hate. You know, there's something to be said that if you post a Facebook post that it's got weights and walleye, it's on the Fox National News the next day, but it doesn't matter what event you win, it would never be on Fox News the next day or any news for that matter, national. And, you know, it's hate and all that stuff spreads too much in the world we're in now where it's just like most of us have more in common than we have different. Like, and it's just, you know, the Mike Leach thing is, is it's just a reminder that, Life is fragile. I mean, As a was, whole, I think the fishing community is pretty tight. Yeah, you have your fractures and you have you have rivalries and you have all that stuff. I think that's healthy. But as a whole, when it comes down to it, I think the fishing community is pretty tight. Absolutely. That's another that's another thing about our sport that makes it so awesome is like, you know, fishing is not as big as a lot of sports out there, but the people that do fish, the community that it has is different. And it's special, man. It is. I sound like Bob now. It's real special, <laughs> but but it is. I mean, it, it uh, mm-hmm. you know, being able to connect with everything. That's what technology's changed fishing, but it's done a lot for, you know, it, it's done a lot to to put stuff like this out there that people can can tune in and communicate and. It's awesome. good stuff. All right. Well, we made it an hour 37 without asking yeah. about, hey, what do you think about the switch to five fish? I think we just end it. We save it for a later time unless you have any burning desire to tackle that. Yeah, I, I think that I think that overall with all of that stuff is all overrated and something to argue about. But yeah. I think we got to make it simple. Five fish. Let's have a normal tournament with some drama, catch them, and if you don't want to put them on stage, you know, you can say what you want about conservation, whether they're doing it right or wrong, but there's getting to be enough people fish on enough lakes that we got to do something different. Not just talking about tournaments, but just fishing in general, or we're going to end up like BWO where you're trying to get one bite every time you go. Sounds like the opens. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how many times do you go to a tournament at the opens and you catch a bunch of fish? Not unless you go somewhere up north where it's frozen half the year and they don't fish. Very, very rarely. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's you know, you want them. So, but as far as our, as far as Major League Fishing goes, I'm excited about the five fish because it's relatable. Yeah. You go out and play golf, you can pretend to be Tiger Woods because you go out and play 18 and you feel like even though it's a different course, par three, par four, par five, it's relatable. And from a lot of different aspects, I think it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. You know, we're going to, they're trying to fix a lot of things and it's a work in progress, but I, you know, I, I want the sport. And most guys do, you know, they want the sport to be as big as it can be. And they're not out there to just have a measuring contest on who's got deeper pockets. You know, it's, yeah. it's the interesting good. thing. And I, and I think it's ever been talked about is like MLF, went back and ran diagnostics on what the last couple of years would have been on five fish mm-hmm. because they were talking, you know, the obvious deal is, Oh, the drama, the cut line drama would be gone. Yeah. And 
what it was was behind the scenes and they'll never make it public because there's a whole bunch of guys and it would have been like, well, what, what if, or how this yeah. would have changed because it would have been some different guys with wins with major wins. But based on the people that I've talked to at MLF, there are just as many circumstances. And I mean, they ran back like as, you know, last minute catches and weights and all that. And they're like, dude, there's just as much drama around the cut line with the five fish as there is every fish. Yeah. And, they that was the big thing they were worried about. The major issue there, though, is with every fish, when a guy gets on a run, you kind of have a, a time to get one of the 10 cameras. People don't understand how much money and time it costs to have these roaming cameras. Yeah. So uh, around the cut line, the, the beautiful thing was when a guy started to make a run, you could go get a camera in his boat in 20 minutes. Well, now you're going to, this is the only thing that you're going to see that's different. You're going to see a guy in 30th that catches a seven and a half or eight pounder, and he's going to jump into the top 20 and it's not going to be on camera. That's the only thing because, because of that one fish, you saw it a little bit in real tight races, but usually you kind of knew those guys around it. It brings a lot more guys in a lot of the derbies with a big bite to jump in and not, not have that on camera. That's, that's my take on it. Yes. And I think there's way with technology and, the, the box, everybody wonders about the box that we have on the back of the boat. And what it is, it's basically a hot spot on steroids. So it pulls signal from every tower, different different carriers. So Verizon, AT&T, it'll pick which whichever one's best and shoot that signal to the iPad as it'll over Wi-Fi. And then it has like its own hot spot too. It comes out of the box. It's on battery. It's waterproof, everything. So that when you go somewhere and you don't even have a bar, a cell signal, it still has three or four. And there's a way to have it where you can live stream off every boat, I think. I think you could charge a little bit of money and you could, you know, if I wanted to watch, uh, you know, Greg Vinson fish all day, I could pay and watch his live stream feed all day. And that way you'd also have a feed to go to if that person was not on the cut line and jumped in on that five fish deal, you could switch over. But there is a lot of. There, there's a lot that goes into that that's a lot tougher than what I just mentioned. You know, you know from being – it sounds easy to just somebody, a lot of people that don't, but I, there's something you can do there where you can actually get that footage and it won't be as cool. You know, that's one thing about MLF that I always – you know, their, their coverage does not skip. It doesn't look bad. They got live drone and it shoots over to an angler. They're really – Good. I mean, it's insanely good because what goes into all of that is mind-boggling. But there's little tweaks they can do to make make it, and and they'll get there. It's just, it's a lot though. To it, it's there's a lot of people working a lot of hours on this stuff, um, you know, and a lot of times they're not making as much money as everybody might think they make trying to figure this stuff out to get it where. Um, is the best product it can be. But moving there, I think it's going to be a good move. Heck yeah. All right, dude. I'm going to let you get back to work. Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yeah. I appreciate it. That was fantastic. Long show. Hour and 43 minutes. As far as just like straight up interview, you might. I think you took the cake for 20. Waited till the next to last show of 2022 for the longest one. Mm. I'm telling you, we can go. Yeah. I know it's been a while. I was sitting there. I was I was working on the. I said, "Who do I want to have on the last week?" I was like, "I'm gonna. I want to talk to guys I just like enjoy talking to." So I got you for today. Tomorrow, the Cajun baby. Oh my! <laughs> Haven't had Cliff on this year. Oh my goodness! You want to talk about someone with a lot on their plate? He's got 
four under six. He's got a football team, son. Four boys under six living in the bayou. We give each other a hard time, but, dude, Cliff is, like, one of those. He is, like, Cliff and Fredrick Bannis might be the two guys that you can't tell if they blank that day or they're leading the event. There's something to be said for that when you run into the dude when he comes off the water and you can't tell whether he blanked or won the event. And Cliff is, he always says, life is good, man. Yeah. And all that, but just basically just because just to get a rile out of people. But he's awesome, man. I mean, he is a positive dude. He is. And I think he's he's maybe turned to turn the corner and he's he's on the downhill as far as like raising the kids because the last two times I've called him, no one has been bitten while I've been on the phone with him. And <laughs> and for probably I had a streak of three or four conversations where he's like Hold on, baby Ben just bit someone. Or someone, you know, someone someone was getting bit, sat on, or trampled for like five consecutive calls where he's like, Maddie Ice, Maddie Ice, I'm gonna have to call you back. Like we've got a we've got a rugby scrum going in the backyard. You gotta get him to wear his headset and call out like just a football play. Like if you got third and long, what are you calling and give We will call. hopefully we'll have enough cell service for this. So uh Matt. Well, Thanks, Thanks dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. All right, that was Matt Lee. We're going to take our final break of the show. When we come back, wrap things up, look ahead to the last two shows of the 2023 season of Bass Talk Live. It's BTL on a Tuesday. We'll be back. Right vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim-On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md combining one of the most popular hook styles with gamakatsu's beefier superline offering the gamakatsu superline offset round bed delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well-suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bed is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The Round Bend offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Band holds your plastics on the hook longer, reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, and 5-0, this is the most durable worm hook, designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success. 
and that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. All right, welcome back. Closing things out here on a Tuesday. Like I said, the Cajun baby Cliff Crochet for the last regular season show of the year tomorrow. Day four uh, with Frank Scalish. Then to wrap things up, then we take a two-week break, come back with BTL from the new studio on December 3rd. Just got an email about the BTL clothing. Should be up within two days. It's good stuff. All right, big shout-out to Matt Lee. Like I said, it's a, it's a lot of time commitment to just sit down and do two hours in the morning as much as he had so greatly appreciated uh also for all the live viewers and listeners that that uh stuck with us for the entire time great interaction love reading the comments also if you have not already and i really want to talk about this at the end of the year as we do contracts going into the new year if you're listening to this on itunes spotify google play or any of the other podcast platforms uh, like and uh give us a five-star rating or a four-star or three-star or a two-star or if you're feel like it's one star which is not as good as five stars feel free to give it a one star uh and leave a comment i'd like to get to 2000 comments this year that would be fantastic but that's what uh that's what those who support uh btl kind of look at and gives us a good uh litmus test so thanks for everyone sticking around this has been btl we will talk to you tomorrow with a little louisiana theme with the cajun baby cliff crochet everyone all right we'll see you tomorrow